0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed. You can catch us online at sknr.net, and we cover all things movies, games, television, hardware, entertainment, travel, pop culture, conventions, and more. We also have our quarterly magazine, Skewed and Reviewed the Magazine. The newest issue will be out at the end of the month. We're just putting the finishing touches on it, and we've had to... Kind of put it on hold for a bit because we will be uh, doing some travel uh, coverage coming up. So we have to wait to get that in. And, of course, WonderCon 2021, we want to make sure that uh, that is fully covered. And then, of course, we are on Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed. It is a network of 12 newspapers. And uh, un- under that uh, address, com, it's the online portal for uh the papers you can see our game reviews and last but not least uh, is my quarterly radio segment uh, quarterly excuse me my weekly radio segments on BJ Shay's Geek Nation on KISWFM. we have the simulcast on our page well normally we have Joseph and uh, Michael with us and this week it is going to be just uh, Justin and myself so we'll have a bit of a shorter show and part of that is just because Everything has gotten crazy. The folks up in Washington do um, are dealing with daylight savings time and such, and Joseph's schedule has just been absolutely chaotic since he's had to adjust back to it. And Michael is finishing up some family stuff, and he's actually on his way back from Colorado as we speak. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we have some travel stuff coming up. So it's a kind of crazy time, but we wanted to make sure we get that all taken care of for you. And starting off, Justin is going to tell us about some of his theories and uh, what he's looking forward to with the upcoming Godzilla vs. Kong, which is scheduled to be released in theaters where available, and HBO Max on the 31st of this month in the United States. And a lot of anticipation. We've had a lot of really good uh, people join into our YouTube channel, I've had a lot of traffic on the clips and uh, the interviews and the cast interviews that we have up there. And we have something in the works. We're not sure of the time frame when it's coming back, but I can tell you this. There is a series of um, novels and comics and that sort of thing that are in the works. So we have some interviews coming with the creative talents behind that. And, Justin, take it away.
1: Yeah, so um, I guess I'll start out by saying uh, I was actually – pretty shocked uh i i guess i wasn't really paying attention when the movie was coming out i guess i sort of just assumed it was going to come out in like june or july for some reason and um you know just yesterday um it was revealed to me that it's actually coming out um the 31st of this month which is you know just around the corner you know just a couple weeks away actually it releases internationally in 5 days so um that was that was a kind of a pleasant surprise it was a lot sooner than i thought it was going to be Um, you know, uh, we, the last time we spoke about this, uh, I, I offered a theory and, you know, for, (laughs) for, for anybody who's like really concerned about what the, what the big twist is going to be, I would probably skip ahead just a little bit because, um, you know, I think the marketing material all but confirms it now, um, that, uh, the, the big kind of conflict in the, in the movie is is really not going to be Godzilla vs. Kong. I'm sure that's going to be in there, but, um, you know, just how, just like a lot of these things go, you know, there's gonna be, you know, you're gonna have your people who are rooting for Kong, you're gonna have your people rooting for Godzilla. Uh, they have to have a um, a shared antagonist, uh, because there's no way that the, the filmmakers are going to uh, just definitively make one, one the good guy and one the bad guy. Um, yeah, a lot of the trailers kind of make Godzilla look like he's the antagonist in the, in this thing. Um, but I think that's going to just be some clever misdirection. Uh, I think a lot of the movie will probably be set up to look like that. Um, but you know, you got your Godzilla fans and you, you can't, you, you can't just make a movie where, you know, Kong is your hero and Godzilla is your villain. Um, in this day and age, it's just, you know, it would be kind of a bold idea, but that's not, that's not how it's going to go. Um, I, you know, again, if you're really concerned about the big twist, skip a, skip forward about a, a minute or two. But the, the the twist is going to be that uh, Mecha Godzilla is is the real villain. So, you know, the movie's going to be set up as as Godzilla vs Kong, and then they're going to have a shared antagonist. Um, you know, later in the movie with Mecha Godzilla, there was a recent trailer a couple days ago, a pretty short one minute trailer on IGN that uh, had one shot at the end where it, I think it's either Kong or Godzilla's eye. And you can see a reflection in it, and it's very clearly it's uh, it's Mecha Godzilla. Um, so you know, I'm I'm excited. Um, I'm a huge Godzilla fan. I've I've actually enjoyed. You know, I, I know that there's, there's some legit criticisms of, of these newer movies, but I think they're pretty solid. And if anything, I think this sort of MonsterVerse experiment that uh, Legendary has been doing um, outside of the MCU, I think it honestly, I think it's probably. The best cinematic universe project, you know, all sorts of different companies have tried to to replicate the MCU success, and you know, yeah, MonsterVerse is not perfect, but um, I think it's better than most of the other attempts that you know movie companies have tried to do. Um, and a- as a big fan of the of the old Godzilla movies, and I grew up on them, uh, I was a huge nostalgic for uh, nostalgia factor for them. Uh, I think they've they've been pretty solid. I've been think they've been really solid up up till now, uh, and so I'm looking forward to it. Um, Again, yeah, it's only a few days away, so uh, if it, if nothing else, it's just going to be uh, a monster brawl. Uh, hopefully, a little bit more monster brawling than human talking. But uh, well, suppose we'll, we'll have to wait and see.
0: So I have a question. I've been uh waiting to ask you and then obviously it's very difficult to do this because we don't know what direction the movie will take we don't know who's going to be standing at the end who's not you know they've been advertising the one must fall why don't you go with where you think they will go and what you want them to do with where you think the next monsterverse or future monsterverse films will go
1: Oh yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I, I think the one must fall um, marketing thing. I think I think that that's really just marketing. Um, to be honest, I, I don't I don't put a ton of stock into that. I don't think that they're going to you know kill off Godzilla or they're going to kill off Kong. Uh, it's kind of difficult because you know the the last movie didn't really make a lot of money. Um, I think it, if I remember correctly, did okay overseas. But um, I don't know if it really did all that great. Um, So, you know, I I think the Monsterverse is kind of in doubt a little bit in in terms of of the future. This was the last movie that had been totally confirmed, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, then you also couple with the fact that, you know, with with COVID, um, even though it is releasing in theaters and they're also releasing on streaming services, it's hard to kind of see a scenario where this movie makes a lot of money. Um, even if it's really good um it's even the best of movies right now are going to struggle to make money um you know I hope just as a Godzilla fan and a fan of this monsterverse project, I hope they continue um and they you know they understand that there's kind of uh, you know um extenuating circumstances as to why it might not be doing as well as it would in, in normal circumstances um now how I see this playing out, I think, yeah, you're going to have Godzilla versus Kong. There's probably going to be, you know, just so people aren't, you know, completely taken off guard. Um, you know, you, you do probably have to have like one battle in that, in the movie where one is kind of definitively uh, victorious over the other. But, um, you know, I, I probably, that will probably happen somewhere in the middle of the movie. And then, um Mecha Godzilla will be the big bad and then they're going to have to team up together to beat him. I think that's kind of generally the the um the arc that they're going to go with at this movie. Um and you know what that's going to leave is, you know, Godzilla and Kong are both going to be alive at the end and Mecha Godzilla will will have been defeated. Um I think that's probably going to be how it goes and then you kind of get into the good question where they go from here so mecha godzilla is kind of like one of the big bads that uh from classic godzilla that um you know a lot of people had been really clamoring for uh so they've already done Ghidorah. they've already you know with this movie have done got Mechagodzilla. mecha godzilla so what are the other big godzilla villains that they could do for a future movie um there's not a ton to choose from really um you know they could do Gaigan or Um, you know, something like Space Godzilla, but, you know, even those are relatively, um, I guess obscure compared to something like Mechagodzilla or Argidora. Um, so really from here, what I would like to see, honestly, you know, just from a, just a fan perspective, um, my, my dream come true movie would, would be another take on Violante. I think, that was one of my favorites growing up, so I think that would be really cool. Um, you know, th- there's a few that they could choose from that are a little bit more obscure, and they could kind of like re envision them. I think like Destroya or or again Gaigan, um, Space Godzilla. I think those are all kind of options they could could take and kind of reimagine them. But you know, the one that I would want to see the most is Biolante Redone.
0: Yeah, and what's so interesting about it? You brought up a excellent point. Uh, And that's box office. So Godzilla, 2014, 200,000, excuse me, 200,676,000 U.S., 324,3 international, 524,976. Now, of course, we don't know how well it did with home video and toys and um, collectibles and that sort of thing. That's always a very tricky thing. Kong Skull Island, 2017. 168 million U.S., 398 million international, 566, 652,000 uh, overseas. So not bad, but of course, the new standard for many of these hundred and something million dollar FX-laden action films uh, is that you want to try to do a billion dollars because that's what uh, several of the Marvel films have done. That has been what the Star Wars films, uh, with the exception of Solo, have done. Uh, but, of course, as Marvel will point out with films like Ant-Man and so on and so forth, you can still make good money by having a $150 million film and making a return around five to $700 million. That is still very profitable, especially with the other options, like I mentioned, the streaming, the video-on-demand DVDs, merchandise. But you nailed it with Godzilla King of the Monsters uh 386 million worldwide 110 million u.s 276 million international there was a drop and uh, this is on a 170 million dollar budget so there's the old saying that with marketing and publicity and duplication although that's not as common in the digital era but let's just say ancillary cost you have to make three times production so there would be the argument that uh Godzilla, King of the Monsters, didn't make money. Now, again, Hollywood accounting, some people would say, well, that's not accurate. That being said, it seems to me, and I think part of it could be the fact that we have not had epic movies released in the last year, but there seems to be, I would say, the highest level of anticipation and excitement around this film than all three of the previous films combined. What would you say to that?
1: That's interesting. Um, that might be just perspective. Um, I, I do think that I, I've been hearing, you know, some some talk of this movie, but uh, I'll be honest, like King of the Monsters, I mean, at least among my, my friend group, um, King of the Monsters definitely had a lot of buzz. Um, and again, that that really could just be... Um, just perspective, you know, that's just totally just anecdotal um, it's not, not data-driven at all but, you know, I think you could be right um, that th- there is a little bit more um, interest in this one because this is kind of a uh, like sort of their first crossover event, right? So, you know, you had your, your two Godzilla movies and Scott Kong Skull Island was very well received Um So this is like, you know, you kind of get that same kind of buzz that you get with, um, say, a uh, like a Marvel movie where you get, you know, oh, I saw Thor in, you know, Thor and uh, Iron Man and Iron Man. And now they're in a movie together. There's something that's kind of exciting about that. And I I think they're they're kind of banking on that a little bit. But again, um, not to be dour. I mean, I really want this movie to do well. I want the MonsterVerse to uh, to continue um, but I I don't I, the circumstances of releasing any movie nowadays is very tough. so I, I it's it's very difficult to see how it's going to make money um, or a lot of money. I mean I, I could be totally proven wrong on this, but um, you know making movies or making money off of streaming services for a big budget movie like this just seems very, very difficult and you know people are still not going to go to the theaters uh at least right now um you know that that might change maybe they'll do like a thing where they re-release it in theaters um down the line like when when theaters are more normal uh, i'm not quite sure what they're going to do M- my hope is that regardless of how how it does i mean i i hope that legendary understands that you know there isn't really any good way to release a movie right now um in theaters or or really in any circumstance and make make good money so even if it doesn't do well, I hope they they don't take the wrong message from that. I guess, uh, but I think you might be right. I think I do. You know, I do know that there's there's a lot of people who are very excited about it, um, I, and I really do hope it does well.
0: And that is going to be so interesting because we have California, we have uh, New York, and we have other theaters uh, that had been closed for a while open. Yes, they're running on reduced capacity. But I've seen a trend on social media of people saying, look, if we're at reduced capacity, I can put my mask on, I can space up from people for a couple of hours, I can watch the movie, I'm okay with this, um, you know, I'd much rather see it on a big screen than stream it, and we come back to... Warner Brothers again, You know, it, it's interesting because they were the ones to essentially test the market by putting Tenet out, which turned out to be way too soon, and it didn't get the response that they were hoping. And so this in many ways led them to the approach that they're taking now of saying, well, we're going to do theatrical and HBO Max the same day, which is uh, extremely controversial and definitely a much longer topic. But it seems like this is them again loading up, saying, OK, let's see if this how this does. And then that sets the stage for Mortal Kombat down the line. And, you know, it's ironic because just last week, Disney essentially said, hey, you know, we're going to wait until literally the last minute on Black Widow to decide whether or not uh, – We delay it, whether we put it theatrically, whether we do theatrical in a paywall like we did with Ray and the Last Dragon. And so, you know, again, this is the big test case. It's going to be all eyes are going to be watching this to see what kind of audience reaction it gets in terms of who is going to the theaters, how often they're going. And, uh, yeah, I think it'll definitely be a test case because if it does badly, I think you're going to see a lot of these. Planned releases for down the line um, pushback, and by badly, I mean no significant increase in HBO Max um, subscriptions. I know that you have that; they'll have to watch out for people signing up and then dropping it right after they watch the movie. But that's you know that's neither here nor there. I think the fact is it it, it does give very good um, anticipation vibes, and something for fans who've been starved for quality theatrical escapism to look forward to. Moving on, we are going to now have a look at uh, the next installment in the new Doom uh, series, and this is The Ancient Gods Part 2 for Doom Eternal, which uh, just dropped the other day, and Justin has powered through it. So Justin, give us your thoughts on this, and where you think they might do next with the franchise, please. Yeah, so uh,
1: I did uh, complete the game just last night. Um, oh, new... can
0: I ask real quick how long it took you uh, play-wise to go through this one?
1: Oh, um, not that long. It was probably like three, maybe three or four hours. Um, and how long did Part One take you? Probably about the same. I mean, they're both okay. they're both. Um, three levels each so okay so same difficulty
0: and so on and so forth
1: no so actually i was going to mention that i i think that us go ahead the um the final dlc was significantly easier than the first one um and I, i was slightly disappointed by that i i was hoping that they would kind of continue the the pressure i i don't think there was a way to make it more difficult than than the first dlc because i i would argue the the first dlc was as difficult the entire DLC was as difficult as the, um, the optional Gore nests. Um, the ones that were, you know, pretty much hyper challenges. Uh, I would, I would say that like the ancient God part one kept the pressure up the entire time and was, was as difficult as, as those optional Gore nests. The ancient God parts two is difficult. It's, it's probably, I, I would say it is more challenging than, than the base game. Um, but I, I i didn't have to there was one part in the ancient gods part 1 where i had to turn i didn't turn the difficulty down but i did accept the you know the super hyper armor or whatever um at a at a part um just because i was just i was dying so quickly that um it was i didn't with my skill level it just wasn't possible you know without a little bit of help i didn't have to do that with the ancient gods part 2 it was um it was challenging but um You know it it was a little bit more balanced which i think for a lot of people uh that's kind of what they were looking for and asking for um but it was good i mean I, i when we were talking about this last time i was saying i was you know hoping that they would kind of conclude the story and i think that's exactly what they did um they pretty much definitively there's really nothing else they could really do with kind of what they've set up with the with this um this particular iteration of the doom story. Um, and I, I don't want to go into any spoilers, but you know, there's no real way to escalate, uh, what, what they've done. I mean, in doom, when you boil down to it is really just, you know, you killing demons. Uh, and they, they've done that really well. Um, but, uh, there's a, there isn't really a lot of places they can take this, this iteration of the franchise. I, I think they would be best served by, um, Kind of putting it on ice for a little while, um, you know, and not, uh, you know, not doing too much with it, and not stretching the the uh, the franchise too thin. Because I, I think they could definitely risk doing that if they continue to do it. I mean, I think uh, one idea I had for wh- what they could do next is, um, you know, with the modern graphics, the modern textures, and everything, uh, remake Doom one and two levels. You know, I mean, all the assets are there. I mean, all the the uh, the enemies are there, and the gameplay is there. And I think a lot of people would pick up DLCs that are that are based on that. Um, but barring that, I mean, the thing that um, I got major Quake Four vibes uh, towards the end of the the DLC. Uh, Quake Four was a id Tech Four game that you know I liked a lot. I thought it uh, Quake Four was was excellent. Um, so honestly, what I think I would really like id to do next is kind of do something in the quake franchise i know that there was talk a long time ago of them doing um uh some type of remake of quake one which i think would be very interesting because i think quake one had a lot of potential as a setting um but it was never really fully realized um the the problem there is that quake one relies a lot on like um You know Gothic settings, which you know a lot of that is covered by Doom Eternal. There's a lot of Gothic type stuff in Doom Eternal, so I think that would be a little bit difficult to do um, because it would feel a little bit too samey. But I like the kind of Cthulian, like Lovecraftian vibe that uh, Quake One had. Um, But I think the 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 more likely one, and probably the one that I would lean a little heavier towards uh, wanting to see is, um, a continuation of kind of the strong conflict from quake two slash four. Uh, I was a big fan of quake four and, um, you know, I, I kind of want to see them kind of continue that. And again, um, doom eternal, the end of it, I kind of got really heavy quake four vibes of, you know, this very large battle kind of going on around you as you kind of continue through the level and i think they could really do well with that franchise again and i would really like to see them uh, um their their kind of new take on the strog
0: yeah i think that's going to be a very very um interesting take because they are at the position right now where it appears they're going to put the doom franchise on hold so your choices for ed are Do you start a new franchise? Do you do Quake? Do you have a look at Rage 3, perhaps? And that's kind of where we're at. I can't think of anything else. I don't think they're going to go dusting off Wolfenstein, although you never know. That is always a possibility as well, but I think um, they've been pretty heavy on that in recent years. So... Where do they go next? That is always the great speculation. There are some uh, rumors going around that they may uh, indeed take part in the E3 online that's going to be taking place in June. There have been some rumors, unconfirmed, that have been kicking around that they will announce Starfield and do a full uh, reveal and then announce that it's due out at the uh, later part of this year, barring any delays from COVID, that sort of thing. But... Again, all unconfirmed. One thing we got a look at the other day, and we're going to close the show on this, is PlayStation, Sony, uh, gave a look for the new PlayStation VR controls. They announced that a new PlayStation VR to take advantage of the PlayStation 5's powers and abilities is coming. Obviously not this year, uh, likely fall of next year. But we did get a look at the new controllers. So, Justin, um, why don't you tell us about these? Um, so they look interesting. Um, I, I don't really know
1: quite to know what to make of it. Um, I, uh, VR is one of those things I've, I've really wanted to get into it and, um, but I have not yet. So I don't have a lot of experience either with the move controllers or, um, uh, really the, any of the other VR controllers. Um, so it's hard for me to compare this against, um, you know, what's currently there, but I have heard some difficult things about using the move controllers and some criticisms of that. So hopefully that this, this is an improvement. If they look, they look strange, but you know, again, this is probably one of those things that uh, probably have to kind of get your hands on it to kind of see, um, you know, uh, how they feel. I think that's ultimately the most important aspect.
0: The trick about it is that for those of you who haven't seen it currently, if you use the PlayStation VR, you have to use, the wand controllers, and they're, uh, so they're essentially two straight controllers that um, do have various buttons. They have triggers on them. They have the smaller X and O, <coughs> excuse me, triangle and such. And they have uh, rubber, well, for lack of a better word, they are rubber spheres on the top, and those light up with various colors and that sort of thing. And you slip the strap over your hand, you know, think think similar to the original Wii and that they do have a um You know, they they link up with the camera controller and the headset, and they allow you to do the hands and the manipulations and the firing and that sort of thing. The biggest issue with them is that movement is very difficult because you either have to do things like point a wand in a direction and a little arrow comes out and you squeeze the trigger to teleport to it, or for certain shooters, you had a... um, There was... um, Uh, trigger device that you use for certain games that you could use that to move around and stuff you see that with various shooters and stuff but it could be kind of a cumbersome process and what they've done now is they've they simplified it and these are semi-spherical devices that you uh, stick over your hand and i i guess for many ways i'm thinking like the hilt of a cutlass sword in that it's open-ended, not closed, but it's something you stick your hand into. There's lots of room around the thumb, there's lots of room around the finger. You put your forefinger around the trigger, but you can use your thumb as a controller for um, the directional. Now, of course, it's going to have haptic feedback and other features, and what I looked at with this is okay, this could work really well in that if I want to move my hands, I can move my hands, I can move them around But if I want to do a shooter, in theory, I could use my left hand, uh, my left thumb, to move the character around and use the uh, right hand to fire. Or you know, obviously, there's triggers on both. It does seem like it has um, some more options. And of course, there are other buttons on there to work the menus and that sort of thing. They look very comfortable. They look uh, like they'll be very useful. It talks about how there's adaptive triggers on both. There's the haptic feedback so that's where the tension level can change. It has finger touch detection so it can detect your fingers without pressing in the area where you play. It has tracking so it is tracked with the new VR headset through a ring across the bottom of the controller and of course there's action buttons and analog sticks so um, obviously this looks to be an enhancement over where they are currently. There's a lot of uh, talk and hope, myself included, that the recently awarded at South by Southwest for best VR game Half-Life Alyx might make its uh, move over to the PlayStation 5 when the new console, excuse me, when the new uh, headset hardware arrives, because these controllers seem much better suited for action-oriented shooters than the current setup does, so we shall see. Anyway, uh, anything else you wanted to add in today, Justin? Uh, nope, that should just about. All happened. right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. And folks, I did want to mention we'll probably be a bit later next week because we're going to record either Sunday evening or Monday evening because uh, I will be out of uh, out of the house uh, just some various things and that sort of thing on Sunday. And just wanted to uh, make sure that we let you know so people are not wondering where everyone is Sunday night if we don't have the uh, new episode up at that time. Until next week, take care, stay safe, and have a fantastic one. We'll talk to you soon.